1: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com all
2: right pharrell back on coast to coast on a tuesday with carver high mafia ltn running it from kansas city mo home of the world champion chiefs they just wanted to Make sure that I said that uh, at least once a day. I'm supposed to. Let me just read this contract here. Yeah, my guy Kevin says, read the Chiefs World Champs once per show or die. I, dot, dot, dot. I don't know what that means. But I'm just going to do it. Chiefs World Champs, rings, the whole deal. Gates Barbecue. What up, kid? All right, so uh, Carver High, you got info, some skinny on the Big Ten. What do you got?
3: Yeah, you were just talking about it, how the Nebraska Prez was caught on the mic this morning saying that they could be announcing something tonight regarding Big Ten football report going around now says that when and if they do announce the plan to play football, the first option for them is to play eight games in nine weeks starting October 16th and 17th. Uh, The Big Ten title game would be December 19th, which would be the day before the college football final rankings get uh, announced. If they can't start that weekend of the 16th, 17th, they would push to start the following weekend and play eight weeks in a row. So they would obviously try to squeeze eight games in in hopes of being involved in that college football playoff at the end of the year. Most of these other teams you would think are going to play 10 or 11 games. If the Big the Big Ten only gets eight in, Scotty, and somebody goes 8-0 like Ohio State, is that good enough for you to put them in the college football playoff over some team maybe in the SEC or or the uh, ACC that goes, uh, let's say, 9-1 and or
2: 10-1? Absolutely, if they're better. I mean, it's simple. Uh, I think everyone will know who the best teams are by eye test and by performance and by skill level. And if Ohio State runs the table and beats Michigan's ass again like they always do, they're going to get into the college football playoff. Look, I love this plan. Let's go. Eight or nine games. It's more than anything uh, that they had previously. Everyone was freaking out. Now they're going to give them what they want, a season. All those kids get a play. I think most of them will play. It sounds like they're going to do it. It's a perfect time frame. They start up in a month from now and they still get it all in and qualify uh, for A, playoff, B, bowl games. I think one or two teams might have a shot to do something big, and the rest of them, if they have a quality eight, nine-game run, they'll go to bowl games. Like, Indiana went to a bowl game last year. If they had a good season, they could go. Penn State could go. You know, let's see how they all do. Fleck up in uh, Minneapolis, let's see how those teams do. Everybody wants to see him play football, so let's go. And then if the Pac-12 starts in November and does whatever they do, it doesn't sound like that'll be enough time to get in the playoff. But they'll be able to have a season, and they'll be able to go to bowl games. And I think that's really, at the end of the day, the best you could ask for. Uh, I like the plan. I hope it happens.
3: Sam Ellinger of Texas leads the nation five uh, five touchdown passes. They look the best out of any of those Big 12 teams. Of course, a bunch of them lost. On Saturday, but Ellinger and the Longhorns look good. They play Texas Tech next weekend, Scotty, in their first Big Twelve conference game. I like Ellinger. This could be a big year for him.
2: Look, I, I thought Texas Tech looked awful last week in that game, winning thirty five thirty three. They should have. They were favored by forty, and uh, it was humiliating. So I think Texas will, frankly, uh, beat Texas Tech and, and handily. And obviously, Texas looks like they're a real contender right now. Out of the gates. got a very experienced quarterback with all kinds of talent around him. Uh, They could be dangerous. They might have something good going on down in Austin. We'll see. But uh, I like Texas, and I like Ellinger, and I like him to beat Texas Tech next week.
3: We welcome in all of our radio affiliates here on Coast to Coast on Sports Grid. A couple of college football games this weekend, Scotty. We'll dive into a few in more in depth later in the week, but a, a couple that caught my eye, you know, Syracuse, I get they were 20 plus point dogs at North Carolina last week. Here they are again, 20 plus point dogs on the road at Pitt. Now I thought that this Dino Babers guy was the savior up there in Syracuse. And now they're getting 20 plus points every week. What has gone on there?
2: Yeah, I just don't believe this line. First of all, it was a, uh, it was a like a four point game going to the fourth quarter And then they gave up three rushing touchdowns to Carolina and Chapel Hill and got blown out and the heels covered. But you can't tell me that Syracuse wasn't in that game for three full quarters and that they should have covered that fat number. So all it translates to me is, look, Pitt played Austin P and put 55 on him. Pitt's not putting 55 on Syracuse. Pitt won't even be able to cover 22 against Syracuse. That'll be a game in the mud guaranteed they're going to beat each other up. It's not going to be a blowout by either side. I like Houston to cover the number. Pitt barely wins. And I won't be surprised at all if Pitt screws it up and loses.
3: Georgia Tech off the win against Florida State last weekend, Scotty. They are home for UCF. We know a very good UCF team, and they're getting 7.5 points at home after beating FSU. How about that?
2: I'm a little nervous about Georgia Tech and ramble around. Georgia Tech and a hell of an engineer, hell of an engineer, and I drink my whiskey clear. Look, I think that everyone's going to bounce on Georgia Tech after they beat Florida State with a number. Uh, I won't be surprised they cover the seven and a hook, but I like uh, Central Florida to beat him at Bobby Dodd.
3: And the featured game, which we will definitely talk about a lot this week, the U going to Louisville, getting two and a half, the Saturday night game. The U, Scotty.
2: I love the U. Everybody knows it, but here's the deal. Um, I think they're going to lose on the road uh, to the Cardinal. I I like Louisville in this game. I don't trust Miami at all in any game they play. I think they're posers. I think they're a bunch of phonies. all right for all back on coast to coast we bring in our esteemed uh colleague rick harrow our sports business guru and legal uh insider that's lawyer to you mister he's from harvard and he is on sports grid coast to coast and pharrell on the bench uh every single week uh rick good to see you the uh, divide over uh athlete protests has deepened in the four years since colin kaepernick first took a knee according to a new uh uh reuters poll Tell me about, A, uh, there's lingering conspiracies with uh, Kaepernick saying that they're blackballing uh, Reed, Eric Reed, uh, and then uh, we see there's protests at every single game now in some capacity or another, every game, everywhere, every night.
4: Well, look at the numbers. Okay, and so everywhere, every night was the first week. We'll see what happens long term. Ratings are not down. Ratings are up. But the poll that was done that you were talking about 54% of Americans still say you got to stand for the anthem, got to make them do it. But the divide is bigger. Democrats, 33% said they should, compared to 43% in 2016 when Kaepernick first kneeled. On the Republican side, uh, what a shocker, 81% say you got to require these guys to stand, versus 73% four years ago. So the divide is there, and it's getting bigger, and we know a lot of reasons why that is. But the bottom line is this will be part of every week don't think it's going to detract from, especially because of the circumstances during the pandemic and all of the social justice issues. And I think the NFL is going to manage it and it's going to be less and less of a show and more and more of part of the game experience over time. By the way, before you get to the next point, Hurricanes by 11.
2: Slow down, son. Uh, All right. uh, How about Telemundo? They've always just shown uh, football, soccer. Uh, Now they're carrying Sunday night football, the NFL. I think that's fantastic.
4: Well, it's a big deal for the NFL is clearly going to be Sunday night football. They're putting it in as part of their Thursday night package as well. The new playoff wildcard game that everybody's talking about, that's a big deal. And by the way, it was announced right before this weekend. Why is that important? Because the Rams um, and the Cowboys are two of the larger Hispanic bases of any NFL franchise. And so, listen, the NFL looks to be international because of the pandemic. They're not having European games this year, but they're certainly expanding beyond the borders as far as television is concerned. Television's ruling the world.
2: So uh, I just want you to know that I watch uh, Spanish soccer all the time in Spanish, and it's helped my uh, bilingual status on the network uh, is that I, I can speak in Portuguese, Spanish, uh, Guten Tag, German, Auf Uh I'm trying to I'm trying to learn Russian. Uh, I learned Serbian when I went to Belgrade. There's a lot going on there with Pharrell. I'm all over the place learning languages. Uh, the USGA, Wingfoot, are they going to sell merchandise? Is it going to work?
4: Yeah, I'm not supposed to cut you off or you'll be mad, but I will tell
2: you that you're really good at learning one word
4: in each language. We don't even have to talk about that word. Uh, The bottom line is (laughs) USGA.com. They are talking about selling merchandise online. They have a 130,000 square foot building with 100,000 merchandise transactions every year, but most notoriously, fans won't be there to buy. 72 bucks a shirt we found out online so if you want to get your significant other or somebody us open emblazoned wing foot stuff you can do it but it's going to cost you and you're going to do it online like everything else in this world
2: golf ratings are up
4: yeah they are and the big deal for golf ratings by the way is equipment is up purchases rounds and ratings and the bottom line is for example Everybody is cooperating. Sean McManus, the head of CBS Sports, was talking about how he's working out a deal with the Masters, where before that major, they're talking about being able to cut some of the round early and let CBS not have their games against the Sunday. We've never had a Masters where the NFL has competed. And also the Saturday, remember, is Georgia. Uh, no, I think it's LSU, Alabama. That th- that Saturday, the Masters. We're going to have a whole right. lot of stuff going and
2: we're gonna hey, to so uh,
4: campuses
2: are certainly different, like Notre Dame, no barbecues, no tailgates, no band uh, marching through the uh, you know, dorms in South Bend. Uh, it's an experience like no other, but not this year, and it's it's different everywhere,
4: it's different everywhere, and everybody's doing their same thing. We, I heard you earlier. Uh, you know, Kevin Warren is up against it. I do think that the Big Ten tonight will make some announcement. Your idea of X number of games, it'll be less than the Big Ten or excuse me, the Big 12 and everybody else. But I'm sure they'll sync up with the playoffs. And if we would have thought at the end of April that we'd in this we'd in this situation where everybody who could possibly play is playing on television and a billion dollars at stake for the Big, 12, Big Ten, of course they're going to play.
2: So tell me about the NFL developing club-specific audio palettes for each franchise.
4: Yeah, well, it's an interesting concept. The 70-decibel limit, it's a regular loop that starts at kickoff. Got to drive people nuts. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, by the way, was saying that loop is the worst form of human torture. JETS, the minute man shots when the Patriots score, Let me tell you what the worst form of human torture is. Kyle Shanahan entertaining the Cardinals and not only not covering, but losing. That's the worst form of human torture.
2: (laughs) Listen to Haro. How about the Super Bowl in Miami? How much money did it make for South Florida? Listen to this.
4: 572 million dollars. And by the way, it's about twice as much as the Super Bowl 10 years ago about $242,000 of the average income of spectators, which means only rich people could afford it. And the bottom line is the stay was larger and longer than ever before. We're talking about duplicating some of that on February 7 on the other side of the state in Tampa. But remember, the Super Bowl was just before the pandemic hit its stride here in Miami. Tampa not so lucky. They'll have the Super Bowl, but they'll have significant travel restrictions. Who knows whether they'll have any fans in the stadium. How about
2: Brady? He didn't look good, but his jersey sales are through the roof.
4: Yeah, I know. I expected more out of my Dolphins, okay, but that's another story for another day. His jersey sales definitely through the roof. Brady and Pewter. Cam Newton, number two, as a Patriot with number one. Drew Brees right behind. And Brady and Brees are starting their rivalry again, but in different uniforms, at least on the Brady side. Uh, 40 years ago, or the fourth decade, the last time Brady and Breeze played, the Wolverines shellacked the Boilermakers in 1999. Uh, they may do it again if Brady has the chance with Tampa. Bottom line is Brady's jersey sales at an all-time high. It's just a different color.
2: How about Buffalo Wild Wings, what they're doing in Cleveland?
4: Yeah, well, they're trying to get some uh, content. They're trying to get some new Exposure and they're trying to get fans at home to be part of this experience. They're giving away stuff. And the only problem is, uh, I'm not sure anybody's going to watch the Browns after that miserable, pathetic performance. But that doesn't mean that Buffalo Wild Wing shouldn't try and set a predicate for the entire NFL to start doing stuff. You're going to see corporations
2: all over the NFL
4: activate in different ways.
2: How's the Hockey Diversity Alliance doing? I think the Stanley Complex have been great.
4: Much better than anybody would have thought. And frankly, as usual, the NHL, Gary Bettman ahead of its time, uh, they attracted attention to this issue by suspending when the NBA did a couple of weeks ago. But how about them playoffs? Those playoffs are really amazing. You know, Tampa, I was over there this last weekend. They're really excited about their lightning. Looks like they're going places. And it looks like uh, Dallas, although you don't know what the process is going to be long term. I do think. That the nhl has done a really really good job in all respects certainly the playoffs uh and the ratings have been great and uh, obviously a big deal
2: you're a uh hotshot lawyer tell me how the, uh, the does the legal standing of DeZone against canelo Alvarez hold any water bottom line is they agree to pay him 40 million a fight or whatever it is uh in that uh six fight deal however long it is with uh, Golden Boy, he's suing Golden Boy and DAZN. Uh I think Dazone's in trouble here.
4: Well, you know, here's the standard thing you learn in law school, no matter where you go pretty early. Repeat after me. Look at the fine print. Uh, I don't know the fine print because I'm not sure of the contract and I haven't seen it. But clearly, if you make a guarantee, as the media reports, you need to pay the guarantee. That's the virtue. That's the that's the nature of a guarantee. But if there are excuses, if a pandemic is in there, if there are a lot of issues that say not so fast with a guarantee, it's going to be a, a lawsuit that's going to be litigated pretty significantly. I do know this, that the lawyers will be in the middle of this and will be paid a lot for their defense. And as we all know, we can't have too many lawyers. The world needs as many lawyers as we possibly can have. Cain's, Cain's
2: yeah. L.A. Like, yeah, like your daughters. Uh, they'll be the next great lawyers. I got to go. I'll see you tonight on Farrell and a bench, Rick. Great job. Rick Caro, everybody.
1: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
5: Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All
2: right, for all back on uh, Coast to Coast, Cam Stewart, great job up in Toronto. Catch game time decisions at the top of the hour. Don't forget, sports Radio Overnights. We're all on the bench, Sports Rage, Bagels of Bad Beats. Get the Sports Grid Radio app free. You can listen to everything on Sports Grid TV and on Sports Grid Radio on the app. You're going to love it. Check out SportsGridRadio.com. And you can catch us in San Diego and all of Southern California on Mighty or 1090. I'll be on the bench later tonight. And you can get our YouTube page. Just search. Sports Grid Radio, and you can watch the show. It's amazing, just like watching this show. Uh, I have to say, Carver High, as we get into pain day, I had so many NFL bets this week. Honestly, it's just ridiculous. I hit both spreads last night for you, documented. I'm on uh, coast-to-coast giving out winners, Steelers, Broncos. I told you, Denver being that game the whole night, I, even though they had all their players missing, Sutton, Von Miller, uh, they should have won the game. But at the same time, you can say the Titans should have won the game three times on Gostowski just hacking it up and missing all these field goals. But anyway, Slice that he made the winner, and uh, they got out of there with a W. That's all that matters in the NFL. They don't care about the spreads.
3: Yes, week one is in the book, Scotty. Last night you had the traditional week one Monday night doubleheader. Let's do the early game first. The Pittsburgh Steelers. 26-16 win over the New York Giants. We start, Scotty, with Big Ben Roethlisberger. His first game in a year, and he felt great being back out there.
4: I'm excited we won the game, Jerry. I'll tell you that. Um, you know, I told the guys before the game, it's not on me uh, and individually. The reason I came back is for these guys, for this team.
2: Uh, it's a special group of uh, football players and men. And so um, I'm just thankful to be a part of it. I'm just thrilled that Jerry Seinfeld was there asking him questions. (laughs) I thought Big Ben looked good. Uh, Anyway, you slice it. He threw uh, a couple TDs. I thought he had beautiful passes to Juju, who got involved because he was injured a lot last year. Washington uh, made some plays. I thought Johnson made some plays after he fumbled the punt on the first, uh, you know, punt of the game to the Steelers. He fumbled it at the 10, went down to the 3. I thought that was a huge key to the game. The Giants couldn't punch it in. I think the Steelers' pass rush is sickening. I think their defense from the front to the middle is very solid and very fast. I think their secondary is small, but they are athletic. I think that the Steelers' defense is very formidable. They're no joke. Uh, I thought – Bud Dupree looked like a rock star last night, chasing down Jones and making plays. He is so fast. And remember, he's on a tag. They have to pay him next year. They got to pay Juju. They got to pay everybody. Connor also has to get paid. I would not pay him with his litany of injuries. Uh, That's a problem. But I thought the Steelers... Uh, handled their business last night in a place they usually don't play well at MetLife or in New York, in East Rutherford against the Jets or Giants. They've always had problems against them.
3: Yeah, we were saying on Pharrell on the bench last night, Scott, Bud Dupree was probably the best player on the field for either team during that game. Let's Let's hear from head coach Mike Tomlin. One of the keys to the game, Scott, he was shutting down Saquon Barkley. He did absolutely nothing. Here is Tomlin.
4: You know, we had a commitment, um, and we weren't going to be bashful about that commitment. We thought that guy was a catalyst for for, for whatever that they were going to do offensively. Um, we put our secondary in harm's way some in an effort to do so. Uh, but it's a team game. They embraced that challenge. Uh, we needed to stack the line of scrimmage. We need to bring people like Mike Hilton and so forth, and we did. We did what we thought was necessary to minimize his impact on the game.
2: Listen, I know a lot of people uh, think that the Ravens are a cakewalk to the uh, AFC title game, and I just do not believe that for one minute. I think the Steelers are no joke with Roethlisberger back. I was a little worried when he got bent over and sacked and snapped his knee, and he was limping around, and he was tweaking it and moving it, and he looked very uncomfortable. But I thought uh, the key for him was uh, they didn't protect him early and then they finally got their blocking settled, and then I thought he kind of got into a groove and started playing like he normally does and slinging it. I thought the kid Claypool made a huge catch from Notre Dame on the sideline, toe-dragger. I thought uh, Roethlisberger looked fantastic for missing a year. You get that quarterback, and people say he's no longer elite. I mean, are you just stupid, tripping? What are you, drunk? He is elite still. There's no questions asked. You cannot argue that Roethlisberger is loaded with talent still in that arm. He had it fixed, and he looked great last night. If he can sling it like he did last night, because I guarantee you he's going to have games in the 300, 400-yard games. This guy's been known to throw a 500-yard game. So uh, the guy, if he starts getting in a rhythm with that defense, the Steelers can beat anybody.
3: Couple of injuries for the Steelers last night, Scotty. Right tackle, Zach Banner. He left the game with a torn ACL. Likely has that. He's so done. you're probably not going to see Banner on the line for the rest of the year. Uh, Connor left the game with the ankle injury early in the second quarter. You heard Mike Tomlin today say, we'll leave the light on for him, as in they think that he's going to be all right to play. We'll see what happens with Connor. Snell did great in his play, Scotty. He had over he had like a buck twenty-five on the ground. Uh, if Connor can't go, Steelers will be all right throwing Snell in there,
2: and then they got Samuels as well. Look, uh, here's the deal: I would start uh, thinking in, in terms of playing both of them as much as possible. If Connor can go and he's okay, then give him uh, carries, but don't uh, neglect Snell. He has to be rewarded. You got to feed him uh, for the performance he put on last night—a buck thirteen, whatever. I thought he had huge runs. I thought the play to Claypool on the fourth and one at the end of the game to ice it was a great call. And, look, the Steelers have two guys that can do it. If Connor can play, play both of them. I don't understand why it has to be one or the other. All this talk of bench Connor, and he's always injured. He is always injured, so you can count on Snell, but he could get injured just as easily. It's a dirty job. Somebody's got to do it, and backs get hurt all the time, whether it's uh, from hits, knees, hammies, quads, calves, ankles, whatever it is, they take a lot of abuse. And I think that's the reason why they're a dime a dozen. Uh, but I still don't agree that uh, with anyone that says that backs shouldn't be paid in the NFL. All they do is, you know, a lot of them lately have been making a lot of money, like McCaffrey. And guys like Barkley, uh, they the Steelers had his number last night, but he he's a guy that deserves the money. There's a lot of guys that should be getting paid that are running backs. I don't believe that you shouldn't pay running backs, and I don't believe the theory they're a dime a dozen. That's for fantasy football.
3: The late game, the Titans beat the Broncos 16 to 14, despite three missed field goals and a mixed a missed extra point. From Steven Gustkowski, his first game with the Titans. Let's hear from him on his rough night and finishing it off with the game winner. It's tough. I mean, it's part of the position. It's it's a very fickle position. It's definitely an opportunity I, I did deserve, but grateful that I got it for you know the team and the guys that went out there and busted their butt. I mean, I, I really put them in a tough spot, and you know, you don't always get that lucky to get a chance to redeem yourself, but. Um, you know, I'm just happy that the guys got to celebrate and, um, you know, I'm disappointed in myself and embarrassed and frustrated. But at the end of the day, you know, we won. And uh, luckily, guys are happy going home.
2: I think they'll keep him for now. They owe him all kinds of money. I think it's $3 bucks. But here's the deal. Uh, they're keeping him because he made the winner. Uh, but they are guaranteed in the back of their minds, knowing how bad he was, that one more game like this, and they'll eat the $3 million and get rid of him. So I don't believe for one minute Gasowski finishes the season with them unless he absolutely unequivocally turns it around 100% and doesn't miss a field goal for the next nine weeks because that was so porous last night. I'm surprised he even has a job today, but I know why they kept him. $3 million and that he made the winner, and everybody felt sorry for him. Look, here's the deal. Uh, Borden fumbled the ball early in the game at his own 20 yard line. That was the key to the game to me because they let the Titans score immediately. Otherwise, Tennessee, Carver, you and I were on the air doing it again. They didn't do jack in that football game the whole night, but they got an easy touchdown. And then, uh, they you know, if the, you add up all the field goals he missed, they would have won the game easily, they would have covered easily, but they didn't because they played so shoddily. So, I don't believe. that the the Titans were happy with their performance at all last night, and I think Denver blew the game. Denver had multiple opportunities to win that game and didn't get it done. You can't blame Von Miller or anybody else. Bottom line is uh, they didn't close the deal, and they had that huge fumble early, and it cost them seven. That was the difference in the game.
3: They also had that fourth and goal uh, down and low at the one, Scotty, that they could Horrible. not get in. Uh, that that Horrible. hurt the Broncos as well in that game. Uh, here Why is Coach Vic there? Fangio. Why, no, wait, wait, yeah, wait, 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 wait. Why don't know. you go kick ahead, there?
2: Why don't you kick there when yeah. you couldn't get one yard in three tries? How dumb is uh, Nick Vic uh, Fangio to go for it? You don't gain one yard in three tries, you go for it again. I mean, and the play call was so awful. Uh, a pitch. From a, uh option pitch forward going to your right, I mean, that was embarrassing. Let's hear from him. Well, let's
3: hear from him because he had a rough night all around, Scotty, because not only did he have the bad uh, calls down at the fourth and goal, but he also didn't use his timeouts at the end right. of the game. He just let the clock run all the way down as the Titans are lining up for the final field goal. He defends his decision here. Well, it was twofold there. One, their field goal kicker had obviously been having his problems. So I didn't want to extend the drive to where they could get closer, number one. And number two, you know, we would have used the timeout, but we got the running back out of bounds. We would have used the second timeout, but they threw an incompletion, you know, which would have given us one left
2: when we got the ball back. So that was part of the thinking there. Well, I hope you enjoyed all those bad decisions you made last night, Coach, because your pants are on fire right now. He's doomed in Denver. The writing's on the wall already.
3: There's a reason why he was a career defensive coordinator in the league, Scotty. Uh, some guys just aren't out to be head coaches, and I think that Vic Fangio is one of them. Uh, Rashawn Evans apologized to the team. He got thrown out of the game for the Titans. He threw a punch. <laughs> and um, Philip Lindsay I mean, left the game on. with a toe injury for the Broncos. You saw that right that the
2: guy threw? <laughs> I mean, that was a full-on haymaker.
1: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
3: Yes, let's go to the 49ers now, Scotty. Head coach Kyle Shanahan. He says that Jimmy Garoppolo has to play better after their loss to the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday. He also doesn't rule out signing Mohamed Sanu. Of course, they could be in a bit of a tricky situation in terms of receivers this Sunday. George Kittle, we know, left the game. Uh, He's got a little bit of a knee issue right now. Uh, 49ers need guys who can catch the ball. Debo Samuel on the IR. So maybe Mohamed Sanu could be the answer, Scotty.
2: Well, look, I think that everybody's kind of overreacting a little bit and not giving credit to uh, Hopkins and Kyler Murray and Arizona who flat out outplayed them uh, at Levi's, got it done and beat them. Uh, It is what it is. Uh, Let's calm down that the Niners are supposed to win every single game they play. This isn't Joe Montana we're talking about here, although everyone thinks it is. I think... Kyle Shanahan is is right to call him out. He's got to play better. Uh, What else are you going to say after you lose your home opener? Uh, Everyone has to play better. One of the great reprieves for the Niners with all of their problems is they're playing the Jets this week. They could play the Jets on a parking lot filled with glass bottles and beat them. Uh, I don't care who their receivers are. If they can't beat the Jets, now – You have a problem, but if they go handle their business against the Jets who have no Le'Veon Bell and who have uh, like one player on a team, what Crowder's the guy that he threw to the the Darnold pass, Uh, Darnold looks terrible. like He's going backwards in his career. Their offensive line's trash. Their defense is landfill trash. And uh, the whole team's a trash compactor. Let's face it, mafia hates my guts right now, but it's true. I mean, the Jets and Bills was the easiest money I've made in a while, and it should have been way worse. And I think the Niners should be able to go to uh, MetLife and kick their ass. And then everyone will talk about how great Jimmy G is again. Listen, never forget Jimmy G's dating habits either. That was a fantastic power play in Hollywood going out with that chick. I got to tell you, I'm a fan.
3: The Niners, Scotty, actually play at MetLife the next two weeks. They play the Jets this week. They play the Giants the week after. But because of the COVID rules this year, they are not allowed to stay on the East Coast. So they're going to have to fly to New York, play the Jets, fly back to California, and then fly back to MetLife again because the new COVID rules don't allow them to stay there.
2: No, aren't they staying at the Greenbrier? I think they're going to the Greenbrier in uh, West Virginia today.
3: Uh, maybe they're allowed to go there. They've got that set up. But I did hear, hear them last night saying that they can't spend the entire week uh, right. between well, games there. So
2: They're going to that five-star green bar is what I heard. Now, I could be wrong, but listen, here's the deal. I don't care where they have to go. They're going to win both those they games. They can't lose
3: those games. Because the they lose are just as
2: bad as the Jets. They're just in blue.
3: <laughs> Frank Reich says that rookie running back Jonathan Taylor is ready to take on the starting role. We love this kid coming out of Wisconsin. Scotty goes to the Colts. They get the injury to Mac already in Week One. He's going to get a lot of work already.
2: Listen, I would have. Uh, he would have been one of my top ten players in the NFL draft, bar none. This guy was a rock star in college in Madtown, and I think people were uh, turned off by his fumbles. Uh, But this guy, I mean, is the productivity, the yards and the touchdowns. He's a he's a barrel. Uh, The guy is a powerhouse running back. Listen, this is Wally Pip. It's got it written all over it. This guy, I believe, will be the Colts back permanently. Uh, Max Dunn. They're not going to give him a deal. His his rookie deal's up. He blows out his Achilles. They're going to wash him out of that system. It's Taylor's job now permanently. If he doesn't get hurt. Jonathan Taylor will be their running back for the next 8 to 10 years. Count on it.
3: Eagles defensive end Vinnie Curry and cornerback Craig James both will miss significant time with injuries. Carson Wentz says the Eagles have to be better, and it starts with him. So Shanahan says that Garoppolo has to be better. Wentz just says it about himself. I have to be better, too.
2: Well, listen, who doesn't have to better when you blow a 17 nothing lead against Washington? And you're, uh, it just was so embarrassing. I think they turn it around this week. They're getting one at home. I like Philadelphia to uh, get things straight because I think Peterson's a good coach, and they have talent on that team. I don't know. You know what I really think? At some level, I think – that what I saw was a team that literally uh, forgot to fill up the gas tank before the game, and they ran out of gas. Uh, it, midway through the third, they were done. They couldn't stop anything, and they were walking around when the Washington was running around, and it was real simple. The Eagles – uh, weren't ready for the game physically and mentally. They they were washed. They were gassed. They didn't even try in the second half. They got obliterated because they weren't in shape. No one wants to talk about it, but it's obvious that the Eagles had a candy-ass training camp.
3: The Packers lose guard Lane Taylor for the season with, with knee surgery. He is done. Alden Smith, Scotty, everybody rave reviews for his first game with the Cowboys on Sunday night. What did you think of Alden back in the NFL?
2: I think it's an amazing story. Uh, you know, I thought he looked pretty solid. I didn't think, you know, I for me, he lost a step for sure. I remember him uh, five years ago being a lot faster. But I thought that, is it, is it safe to say, I thought he played smarter. I thought he bounced off blockers better. I thought he was patient waiting for plays to come his way and to read holes and lanes and fill them and make the stops. I didn't think he needed to uh, exert as much energy on the field as he would have five years ago when he was a wild maniac running after running back. Like he looked like Bud Dupree five years ago and now he looks like a mature uh, you know, veteran that knows how to conserve his body and wait for the play to come to him and make the stop. I thought he looked pretty good in patience.
3: The drama that is the Cleveland Browns is kind of starting up again. It's only been one game. Baker Mayfield said today that targets for Odell Beckham Jr., they must come naturally. There's been some whispers around the internet today that the Browns would be open to dealing Beckham in the right deal. He was didn't look thrilled after the game on Sunday. I saw a highlight, Scotty, of him dropping. Ball after ball after ball. Here we go again with the Browns as they get ready to take on the Bengals Thursday night game this week.
2: That's the only reason they're getting this attention is because they're playing on Thursday night against the Bengals because the Browns don't deserve all of this talk. They don't deserve anyone's uh, mind or attention at any level. Uh, Baker Mayfield has been awful. Uh, Last year was a disaster, week one was a disaster. Uh, They got owned, uh, and let's face facts. Let's just get real here for a second. Odell Beckham has been a miserable, pain-in-the-ass, crybaby, prima donna hack since he's been in the league. He behaved like a two-year-old with the Giants. That's why they got rid of him. He is turning into the same – Leopard doesn't change its spots. Same guy in Cleveland. He's miserable there now too. The guy's entire career so far has been one of – a controversy, bad behavior, immaturity, complaining, uh, pre-Donna stuff. I mean, let's face facts. Let's just just put it right on the table. He's done nothing. They don't do anything. Uh, I think they have to get Jarvis Landry going is the key. Get his hip going. Get him lubed up. Get him rocking and rolling. I think they'll both play better if, if Landry gets involved. Here's the deal. If they don't win this game on Thursday against the Bengals, the abuse is going to start coming in like you have no idea, like the water right now in the Gulf Coast, the rain. It's going to come into Cleveland because you have nothing better than uh, you know to talk about in your day in Cleveland than how bad your football team sucks and they have forever and you're grasping at straws trying to blame it all on him. He's easy to blame because he's been worthless since he was with the Giants and he's come to Cleveland. He's done less there than he did in New York. Boom, period. How do you like me now?
3: I love it. I love when you take a couple of whacks at the Browns. It's always a good day when that happens. As we take a look, Scotty, at the first lines for this weekend's game, I give to you first the Patriots and the Seahawks, the Sunday night game. Heard Bill Belichick glowing about the Seahawks. He has a lot of respect for them, blah, 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 blah. Minus four right now at Fandle. The Seahawks are on Sunday night against the Patriots. Should be a good one.
2: Yeah, I don't actually think it will be a good one. I think that Mm -hmm. uh, the Seahawks are on a different level, frankly, than the Patriots. I think the Patriots played the uh, Finns, and I think the Finns could have covered with a touchdown late, Fitzmagic threw the pick, and they could barely, frankly, get by them. I thought Cam looked overall pretty solid, definitely running the ball. He looked good. Throwing the ball, he didn't do anything, so... I don't think he's going to be able to throw at Seattle against Adams, against that defense. And I think Russell Wilson is going to chew and spit out that Patriots defense, which is a bunch of no names. You got to remember, now I know they got the McCordys. That's fine. But they've lost everyone else. I don't like that defense anymore. Uh, The Dolphins make a couple of uh, moves here in this game and and play a little harder. They would have covered, they might have won. Uh, So I think the Patriots go to Seattle and lay an egg. Seattle, lay the four.
3: And two games that stuck out to me when you look at those lines, Scotty, and we'll talk about these a lot later in the week. Uh, You mentioned one earlier, the Eagles being home dogs against the Rams. And how about the Packers minus five and a half at home against the Lions after the way they just took care of the Vikings in Minnesota? That one seems a little strange to me, too.
2: Yeah, look, uh, the Lions have uh, all the talent in the world and never get it right. And I think at some level it's uh, coaching, and I think at another level it's confidence. When you're a loser always, you're just a loser always. They never get it done. The Packers are so much better than them, and they're playing at Lambeau. Now, I know there's no fans, but Aaron Rodgers is filthy, and what he did – Uh, to the Vikings is exactly what he's going to do to the Lions. That's going to be spank and call him Charlie. Boom. Packers roll. Lay it.
3: Stanley Cup playoffs. We have one team in the final, Scotty. The Dallas Stars eliminate the Knights last night. They do it again coming from behind. They have eight comeback wins in the postseason. That ties a single playoff prior to the Cup final. Uh, what a story. Rick Bonus, of course, replaces Montgomery in the middle of the year. Uh, they go for playing these wild, crazy games in the first two rounds. Now, Scotty, they will be in the final after Beat Vegas. Good story.
2: Good stuff last night on the bench by you about Rick Bonus's career as a journeyman coach uh, and finally gets a piece of something big uh, to play in the Stanley Cup Finals. He's done a great job with Dallas. This is a team loaded with players that grind and work hard, and they were flat out better in Vegas, and I hit the bet again. I hit so many bets in that series and the previous series uh, running with this team. They're on fire. And uh, I just think they've been fabulous, and I hit that down two last night. They come back and win it. I thought the game-winner in overtime was nasty. And I got to tell you, uh, I'm just not buying your Islanders, you know, any way you slice it. I'm betting on Tampa tonight, but if the Islanders were to win for you, which I hope they do, they're still not winning this series. Tampa's better than the Islanders.
3: No, we could know by the end of the night who's going to be playing the Dallas Stars in the Stanley Cup Final, which I did see today, Scotty. If Tampa wins tonight, they're going to fire this thing right up Thursday night, game one. uh, There's not going to be any wait around for a couple days. They want out of that bubble. I think the Islanders give a little fight. I think the Islanders give a little bit of fight tonight, Scotty, but I'm not very optimistic. I think that they've uh, got a lot out of the tank here. They've played better these last few games. But like we say every day, Tampa just has too many premier players that the Islanders don't have. Hedman, uh, Kucherov, Braden Point. I mean, you look at all these guys. What would Barzell be on Tampa? The fourth best player? Probably at best. Uh, Sometimes it just comes down to talent, and Tampa has a lot more of it than the Islanders.
2: I think the game will be great tonight because I think the Islanders are just so premierly coached by uh, Trotz that I think they'll be uh, in the game for sure. I wouldn't be surprised at all if it's an overtime game, Uh, but Tampa's just always finding a way to beat them uh, because they are better. I think it's, you know, Tampa, I've I've said all along, I think they're going to win the Stanley Cup. We'll see, Dallas might very well beat them. They're playing fantastic hockey. They remind me of the L.A. Kings when they went as an eight and won it all. They just played better than everyone. Dallas is not afraid of anyone right now, although I think the talent and speed and skill of Tampa is ahead of Dallas, and that's the difference for me.
1: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
2: How about uh, Peter Laviolette getting the Capitals gig, Carver High? What did you think of that?
3: Yeah, you know what? That's where I thought they were going to go. They needed to go with somebody who has experience in the league, not hire a brand new coach. They still have a little bit of a window with Ovechkin and Backstrom and those guys. You gotta have somebody who knows what they're doing. They didn't get that with Reardon, who couldn't coach himself out of a paper bag, so... Laviolette back in our back in our back in our division again. He's been with the Islanders, the Flyers, Carolina. Now he's going to coach the Capitals. So yeah, we'll see. Enjoyed, we'll see plenty of. Them.
2: Uh, I enjoyed <laughs> winning that Stanley Cup against him in Smashville, the Penguins. Check out. Ooh. Yes,
3: that's right. When he was with Nashville, uh, let's do some golf here, Scotty. The featured tee times for the U.S. Open that starts on Thursday at Wingfoot. You've got Matsuyama, what? Reed, and Speeth playing together. Morikawa, what? JT, and Tiger. DeShambo, Dustin Johnson, and Now That is a great group at 116 on hole one. Mickelson, Paul, Casey, and John Rahm. Webb Simpson, Sergio, and Jason Day. Rory will be playing with Adam Scott and Justin Rose. I did hear Tiger and Justin Thomas both speak today, Scotty, and they said that without question, Wingfoot is the hardest course. That they are going to play on all year. They said it is difficult. They don't have to do anything to it. Oh, Leo, uh, that's Leo, how Leo, difficult Leo, it is.
2: Leo, 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 uh, let's. <laughs> I got the. <laughs> Leo, 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 Leo. The greens are too fast, the rough is too deep. The it's all the, the way rough
3: up to ankles. Take a look really fast. Uh, the updated odds, please, uh, for this week. Uh, oh, DJ still at the top. Oh, uh, Leo, Leo, Leo. about eight and a half to one. Ram is behind him at ten to one. Uh, Justin Thomas there as well. Tiger way down the list there, uh, Scotty. Do you expect anything from Tiger coming up this no. weekend at Wingfoot? No. no.
2: <laughs> DJ, Ram, uh, Shoffley, Thomas. Uh, those are the guys that are playing the best golf. I think that Rory uh, pairing is really exciting. So is Phil with Ram. Uh, I'm all for it. Wingfoot's badass. The greens are brutal. I'll see you tonight on the bench